Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Grand Island Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio on Apple Podcasts. Today, alongside the WSA All-Star, Holly Custis, uh, Troy Wilson will not be joining us today, unfortunately, but we will have Holly, myself, and in the No Joke Football Huddle, we have the uh, WFA All-Star from uh, La Muerte de las Cruces, uh, the new team that started. Kat Acosta will be with us in about 15 minutes to chat about her season, the team's uh, inaugural season, and uh, what they look forward to in year two. So it's going to be pretty exciting. We're also going to get into preseason games this week, uh, talking about, you know, the power rankings and who's getting better at this point. We're going to talk about some of the uh, knee protests that happened during week two of the preseason as well. Antoine Bolden retiring. Uh, and then we had Odell Beckham suffer an ankle sprain as well during this past week. Um, Chargers offensive lineman Max Turk was suspended for four games for violating the NFL policy on enhancing substances, which happens all the time, which is an issue as well. And uh, so other news and notes. And then we'll get into the women's uh, gridiron scene internationally with Gridiron Queensland, Gridiron New South Wales to start, as well as Gridiron West out in Australia to start. And then uh, German League will kick off as well in terms of their playoff scene. While the Finnish league, as well as SAJL, will kick off this past this next weekend. LFL Legends Cup will happen also September 3rd. So a lot of uh, women's uh, games internationally, as well as in in terms of championship uh, going on internationally in the scene. So uh, Holly, how's it going today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Um, if if you hear any noise behind me, I'm at actually at a Starbucks down the coastline uh, because I couldn't get anywhere else. So, uh, you know, don't get all scared or worried about me. Um, no, so we're actually, I'm actually at a Starbucks down the coastline because I couldn't get anywhere else to kind of do it. So I'm doing it off that. So we got to do what we got to mm-hmm. do. So, um, Ollie, it's just, you know, uh, preseason, you got Derek Henry, McCaffrey, pretty good games in preseason week two. Yes. Um I don't think people realize, maybe they're starting to realize how good McCaffrey is. I got to watch him play at Stanford, and this man is the definition of explosive. And he has a lot of good uh, hip flexibility um, in his running attack, and he's very aggressive and he's very strong. And I think he's going to have an excellent year. And I I stand by my stance that if if Cam is uh, healthy, that backfield is going to be very difficult to stop. So I'm kind of excited to watch that. Yeah, he only had like, I think, 33 rushing yards but and 39 receiving yards plus a score. So very impressive in week two. Um, I don't know, you know how you tally the preseason because not every defense is on the field. But I think the Charger defense was probably what they're going with. And I'm just being sarcastic here. <laughs> so he literally tears them up. So we won't know what the Charger defense looks like in week one, but he did, he was impressive. Uh, Derrick Henry also was very impressive. 
uh, two touchdowns and 36 yards on 16 carries. So uh, uh, those two very impressive in week two. Agreed. I think it's, um, you know, important for that position in the NFL, which, you know, the running back has been a position in which um, it's been said that they're kind of a, a dime a dozen and that's how they've been paid, you know, recently. But I think the, the running back position is going to make a comeback and those two are going to actually really help that. Uh, the other uh, connection was Prescott to Bryant, which with the options of Elliott, I would assume that's going to be uh, what they're going to go with more in the, in the absence of uh, Ezekiel Elliott. I think they're they're going to have to. I mean, their their line is still the best in football, no question. And they do have some horses back there, like we talked about, that can run the ball. But um, I still think that Ezekiel is kind of that X factor guy that comes in and provides a spark. Um, so they, you know, depending on how well that backfield does, they're probably going to end up having to rely more on the passing game that they originally planned. And so it's important that this Brian is, is healthy and that a connection is strong. Well, I mean, they were playing a varsity team from Indianapolis, so I don't know what that tells you <laughs> in, in week two. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be that very Colts, good on that side. That Colts defense is not good. <laughs> No, it, it it might it might you know challenge the, the Niners of last year. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, good good recall. It's a good recall. <laughs> um, how about Hoyer? What did you think of Hoyer on your end? I think Hoyer's okay, but it's still you know it's the preseason, so it's it's really difficult to put a whole lot of stock in the preseason like we talked about before. I think Hoyer is definitely the best option at this point. He's, he has, um, you know, the poise that you want out of your starting quarterback. Uh, he's definitely not perfect. And he had one interception that was not really um, his fault necessarily. The, the defender just took it out of the receiver's hand. But I still want to see him get more action. So I want to see what he does in week three and four when typically starting quarterbacks get more reps. Um, I was really pleased to see C.J., our uh, uh, guy that we picked in the draft from uh, Iowa get some reps and he started to feel more comfortable. But I'm really excited about uh, George Kettle, our tight end that we picked up, because that guy, I like the way he plays. He's strong. Um, I think he's going to be a weapon at tight end for us down the line. Yeah, I, I think it's there's a change there in San Francisco We'll see how how offensively they they uh, I think offensively there's some question marks going forward. So how they play offensively with Shanahan's system is going to be the key there. I, I'm excited for my Rams. I mean, uh, you know, you got the boy out there, Cooper, just stood out. Watkins, Cooper, Watkins, and Goff. Uh, they look pretty good in week two here. So um, I'm pretty excited to see what week three looks like going forward here. But um, McVay has put up. I think a pretty decent offense. If our defense uh, with Phillips steps up like they did in Denver, if uh, we could have a good squad. I think this like this is the best I've ever seen golf play. So maybe he's adjusting to the new offense and maybe starting to feel a little more comfortable. But again, I want to see golf do it in the regular season and um, and and see how long he can do it. Uh, I think. 
when it's preseason, it's a little bit easier. You can feel a little bit more comfortable. There's not as much pressure. Um, but I do think that he he did look better, so it's it's promising. We'll we'll see. I still I still think that Goff is like he's a solid middle of the road quarterback, but he is not anywhere near worth what they spent to get him. Oh no no we we agree. I agree on that. I mean, like I said, uh, Jeff Fisher sold the farm when he shouldn't have. So, but uh, hopefully McBay salvages that and. Even if we go, even if we go a decent nine and seven, or even ten wins, it would be a total improvement from the Fisher era. Agreed. I mean, well, when once you're <laughs> out from under Fisher, I think, I mean, you, the only way to go is up. So at least they have. I really like that new coaching staff that you have. I think they have a great attitude. I think they're going to actually turn things around for you, so which is good because our, our division needs to get more competitive again. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like um, uh, Dante Thompson returns the, the missed field goal and runs it all the way back for Chicago. So it, I know it's preseason, but it's still 109 yards, so I think everybody was pretty stoked about that. It was a great run. It reminded me of the college game with Auburn a few years ago. Um, you know, like it's one of those things that it was an it was an excellent return by him, but I also think that the coverage was not really that great. And you would think that this is something that they would plan for, but I think they caught they caught him napping. Um, but it was fun to watch. Um, in Cowboy Land, uh, I know Kellen Moore didn't play so well. Should they have speed dial for Tony Romo? Say that one more time. I said in, in the Cowboys preseason game, they put in Kellen Moore after Derek Prescott's really good start. I said, should they have a speed dial for Tony Romo at this point? Oh, no, because he, <laughs> even though Kellen Moore is, is, you know, not the best quarterback out there, Tony is just broken. And so I think the, I think you got to go with people that can actually move. Well, Cooper Rush did really well. I mean, they threw like two touchdowns, so maybe the third string moves up the second string before the season starts. I'm assuming that's the competition now. I yeah, I definitely think so, and that's part of the fun that is the preseason is watching everything. It's kind of like watching somebody going to the gold rush and and sifting through the rocks and trying to find the goal. That's basically what these teams are doing when it comes to the last uh, people on their team, the bubble players, and also finding out what they have with veteran players as far as where they're going to fit in their scheme. So it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be uh, week three. It's going to be interesting to see who who kind of separates themselves because the rosters start to now get firmed up. You know, uh, now you get a 53 firm roster. And who's going to make the roster? So uh, we're going to go forward here. Um, we talked about violating the NFL policy on enhancing substances. That happens all the time now. It's kind of a normal. Um, I mean, should we get to a point where we just kick these players out for that? It's it's hard because I think it kind of depends on what they're testing positive for because it's a slippery slope. You know, I think I think you definitely create a list of substances that if you test positive for X, Y, and Z, that you kick them out um, after you know a couple 
times that they test positive for it. But there's other things that I feel like I know I don't know because it's really hard because all the time that these players get caught, they're always like, well, I took such and such thing because my trainer said it was fine. And then and then you get players that are like, well, I'm on Adderall because I have a suspicion and that's what set it off. So there's kind of a gray area in how they're testing the players. And it's really hard for the testing to also keep up with the substances that are out there. So I think it's it would be really hard to create a line in which you're just like, okay, if you test positive for anything, you're kicked off, you know, out of the league, because it really there's so much gray in there. Um, but I definitely think that they could do a better job of. I think they definitely need to look at how they address the issue of marijuana, especially in states that it's legal. That's an issue because people will test positive for that. Um, right. But it's it's really tough. It's a really tough thing that to try to take on like that. Um, but I think it definitely needs to improve. All right. So Kaepernick gets into the Smithsonian. Do you think he deserved it? Say that, say that again? Kaepernick gets into the Smithsonian. Do you think he's deserving of it? He got sent to the Smithsonian, you said? No, the Smithsonian. He was, uh, I guess, put into the Smithsonian in Washington. Oh, okay, sorry. It was hard for me to hear what you were saying. Um, sorry. Was, was he put – it's okay. Maybe it's the uh, baristas behind you. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> um, no, I'm saying – uh, that. But, no, what I'm saying is uh, that he deserved to be in the Smithsonian, consideration-wise. Uh, were they putting him there because of his stance? I don't think I saw yes. that. I believe it was because okay. of his stance. Okay. Is it in a positive light or more just it, this is what happened and this is a culturally significant type of vibe? You know what? I don't know. I, I know I read the article. People were like, you should stick to putting just political folks in it, I guess, for some reason. But I think, right. you know, uh, I think most people are going to have a difference of opinion on it, basically. Well, I think at the – oh, I see. Okay, I'm pulling up the article right now. Are you yeah. going to be in the Black Lives Matter exhibit? Okay, yeah, that makes total sense to me. Yeah. Because no matter where you um, fit politically or no matter if you agree with or disagree with him – if they have an exhibit about Black Lives Matter, you can't have that without him because he's a key component of that. Um, and so I definitely think that he should be in there if they have that exhibit. Okay. So that's what I'm saying because there's a big back and forth thing on it while it was being announced because you normally have, like, you know, judges or political figures that go into it, not so much, um, you know, a sports figure type. So he's Well, I think – um, I think that when we look back on this 20 or 30 years from now, he's going to be kind of that uh, Muhammad Ali type of figure yeah. where Muhammad Ali, you know, um, didn't want uh, to go to war and he wasn't able to box for a while because of that. So, you know, there are times um, that sports figures can be political and can be polarizing. And I think that 
I, I definitely think if you are going to have an exhibit about this movement, it has to be part of that conversation. I agree. Um, so let's go to the uh, No Joke Football Huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. Zazzle.com, you can go get all your stuff, tanks, tops, hoodies, and gifts at Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. 15% off today. Um, check all the specials weekly and daily. Uh, you can get pretty much cool stuff there. Support the uh, No Joke Football Project as well. So let's go to the huddle with the No, uh, no Joke Football Huddle uh, with the WFA All-Star from La Muerte de las Cruces, uh, Kat Acosta, who's on the line right now. Yes, sir. Hi, Kat. Hello. How's it going today? Thanks for making the time. Good. Let's on with uh, myself, Oscar Lopez, and WFA All-Star and legend from Seattle Majestics, Holly Custis. Awesome. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hello. How's everybody doing? We're doing great. So, Good, how are you Kat, doing? I know you're coming off of a... A game earlier today, so I appreciate you making the time today. No problem. Thank you for having me. All right, Kat. So um, this uh, Las Cruces uh, project was a journey, mm-hmm. from what I've been told, and it finally comes to be, you know, a good state of a, a full team, and mm-hmm. you know, between transition of names and everything else that happened. Um, tell yeah. us a little bit about, you know, how the team came about. Uh, you know, your experience with the team uh, and kind of tell us uh, about the community in terms of, you know, where the team is based. Yeah. um, So we're in um, Southern New Mexico, um, right by the border. Uh, It kind of felt fitting to add our little Spanish flair or our Hispanic flair to our name. Um, Jamar and Billy are, are the founders of our team. We had been a part of another league um, when we first created the the football uh, the football team, and then uh, after talking it over, after losing some girls, after gaining some girls, we all realized that that's not how we wanted to be depicted as athletes. And I I mean that not in any type of disrespectful way, because those athletes that are in those type of leagues are athletes. Period. No matter what we're doing, but us as a team, like our whole dynamics, we weren't we weren't very comfortable. So we just switched, and the rest was history. I mean, we had girls come. We had girls go. Coach Billy and Jamar, um, I praise them for dealing with all of us women. It's very hard coaching women. I coach women in high school, and it's very it's very difficult sometimes. Um, our community just came together. It really showed. I said this in an interview during season, but it, it our community is such a football our, our town is a football town. Um, whether anybody's heard about the Mayfield Cruises rivalry, um, we're the one of the largest in the country, and it stayed true to that when this women's football team came together. And to see the crowd in the Field of Dreams and be in the stands so many years watching the high school and being able to step foot on that field and kind of get that Friday night, Saturday night light feeling was truly amazing and having our community cheer and yell and scream our names and make posters. It was, it was probably one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Kat, the, the color scheme for the unis, uh, how did that come about? Mm-hmm. They're really, they're really slick. They look really nice. Thank you. I agree. I love our uniforms. Um, I think it had to do with a little bit of um, kind of like the Dia de los Muertos, the day of the dead. It's a very, it's a it's a very happy, colorful holiday, but 
in kind of a dark sense. So when we were talking about colors and names and stuff, we wanted something to be to have color and pop, but at the same time kind of stay true to the name, which is the death, which is the death. So that's why how our black and our um, the sugar skull with the flowers to kind of sig- signify um, our name and that we are feminine, but we're we're here to play. We're here to play the game. Now, Kat, in, in the community base, um, you know, always starting a new team, nobody expects the mm-hmm. team to kind of stand out. And you guys, yeah. have, you know, put a good program together uh, in terms of the mm-hmm. WFA. And uh, it's been, you know, kind of a nice thing. And then yourself and a couple of your teammates mm-hmm. obviously made mm-hmm. all-stars. So just mm-hmm. right off the bat, you know, you don't expect a brand-new team to even have all-stars. So you yeah. guys really did you a know, good thing. Yeah, we just we're, – we're so – our, our our little our little town. We're very. We work with what we got. There's a quote that if my coach is listening or any of the girls are listening, he says it, and you all know what I'm talking about. I don't think it's appropriate for for radio, but there's a quote that he said, um, which basically, in a nutshell, means make something out of nothing. And um, not those words, but that's what it means. It means we're gonna make something out of the maybe the 15 players that we ended up at the end of the season. We're gonna we're gonna be scrappy. You know, we might lose, we might go down a player or two, but we're going to fight and battle with the women that are on the field beside us no matter what until the last second ends on the clock. And fundraising, how is the fundraising for you guys in season? Uh, is there Was the community receptive to the new format yeah. for your new team? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. We did um, We did a couple of fundraisers. Um, we did um, popcorn sales. We did a... Um, paranormal investigation here at one of the haunted spots here in um, Las Cruces. Um, We did, what else did we do? Hmm. We did a car wash, I think, really early in the beginning. We sold raffle tickets. We raffled off um, a lot of stores in the community were awesome, whether they donated gym memberships or um, a disco or, you know, restaurant tickets. Our community really, really was receptive to um, us asking for, for for fundraising, yeah. Scott, what's the background for you uh, so the audience knows where you come from? Is it a soccer background? Is it uh, a track and field? What's your background? Yeah, I, I'm a soccer player. I've been, I'm, I play all sports, but soccer was my main, my main sport. I've been playing it since I could walk, which was about a year and a half years old. I've been kicking a ball. Um, I was coaching. This is my fifth year coaching high school soccer. Um, I'm very passionate about it, and I think – I love the sport. I love to watch it. I love to analyze it. I love to I'm, – I'm a competitor, clearly, um, and I like to compete, and I like to come out on top. All right. Um, Holly, you got anything for Kat? <laughs> I do. Hi, Kat. How's it going? Good. Good. So, first of all, number 21 is a great number, I have to say. That Thank you. Awesome. I agree. Awesome. Um <laughs> uh, so I, uh, I see that you um, put up some great numbers at running back. Uh, mm-hmm. What's your favorite thing about playing that position? You know, I got hit a lot. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I <laughs> Playing soccer, it's it's a contact sport, but obviously not like tackle football. I, I just, honestly, I enjoyed finding the hole, and if the hole wasn't there, I loved being able to cut back 
and being almost horizontal with the floor, finding another hole and just breaking away and seeing that end zone or that first down or passing that their their defensive line and just being like, okay, I broke through. You need to at least keep moving your feet for another four or five yards, then go down. It was just, it was so, my adrenaline was on high the whole time because it was like, where am I going to go? The ball's hiked. Okay, I have the ball in my hand. It's go time. You have about a second and a half to decide if you're going through, if the play's going, or if that's shut down and you have to change your mind. So it was really, um, it was very intense. Awesome. Um, what style of running back uh, do you feel like you are? Do you feel like you're more of a speed back or more of a power runner? Um, I like to call, I like to think I'm fast. <laughs> um, playing mm-hmm. soccer, I think, um, helped a lot in terms of the quick, the quick transitions and the quick movements with your feet and being on your the balls of your toes and not running flat footed. I think that really helped in my transition to football uh, because I was able to plant and cut and change direction on the drop of a dime, making those sharp runs and um, hitting the hole hard after I make a move. I think um, I, I think I was more of like a quick get past the line before they could get to me <laughs> type running back. All right. Um, what team that you face had the toughest defense that you had to run against? Oh, um, I would have to say probably the um, Colorado Springs Wildcats. Those are my girls. If any of them are listening, hey, ladies. Um, they're awesome. They're very tough. They're, they they pounce on you and they attack. And I think they made me a better running back. I mean, they had a very organized defense. They had big girls, strong girls. And when they hit you, they hit you. So I wanted to get out of there and hit that hole as fast as I could so nobody could touch me. <laughs> well, but that's probably the best way to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, congrats on your um, 13 mile American selection. Um, Thank you. What does that mean? You're welcome. What does that mean to you? You know, I, like 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 we were talking about before, I really wasn't expecting – a whole lot out of the season since it was the first season. I just really wanted to come out and play the game. My dad played in high school. I get to watch all my high school players, all the boys and my nephews. I get to watch them play. So being able to connect with them and talk about the game on a different level now that I've played a season was amazing. And I think I think I kind of impressed myself. I, I think I wanted to make it in a sense, but was it wasn't going to be like heartbroken. So when the stats came out, and then not only me, but I think eight other of the girls on our team made it. I was like, you know what? We have something extremely special here, um, because you don't see that. I mean, some teams have been around for eight nine years and haven't won a game, and people don't make the all star list. And here we are, little old Las Cruces, uh, La Muerta de Las Cruces. And we have eight players making all-star teams. I think that's incredible. I think that says a lot about our team. I think it, I think it does too. How many people are in that city? Like, how big is the city? Oh my goodness. Um, we are not that big. We're expanding a little bit, but we're. I think the. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you. We're pretty small. Are we're you at a thirty-man roster? I'm sorry. Are you at a thirty-man roster? Oh no no no. <laughs> We were, I think, <laughs> 30 I wish. We had. That would uh, be nice. About, yeah, that would be extremely nice. We had, I think, 22 
okay. or 25 in the beginning for pitchers. And our last game of the season, we played with 15 girls. So <laughs> we were running a little thin there towards the end of the season. And that really you know, pushes that's... everybody to be on the same page, of course. Yeah, yes. That's actually how I started my career. Uh, my first team I played with is in Little Itty-Bitty, Corvallis, Oregon. And mm-hmm. I think Corvallis has maybe forty or 50,000 people on it, and it's a college team, mm-hmm. so that fluctuates a lot. Yeah. But yeah. I totally remember playing Ironman football, and I've had to play it, you know, a couple seasons later with different teams for different reasons. Yeah. Where it's like you mm-hmm. have, like, 14 people, and you don't come off the yeah. field. And, yeah. But – So it's tough physically and mentally, emotionally. However, you feel very connected with your teammates because you're going through it uh, together. How do you feel like those numbers affected your dynamic on your team? Um, I think, honestly, it brought us closer together. The people that were meant to be there were there, and I knew they were going to fight and push and battle with me, and I was going to battle with them back. I was going to do the best I could, and I knew they were going to give it their all. And I think the 15 that finished on the field um, for our first season, I commend them because it was hard. I know it was hard. I know they thought it was hard, but we all stuck it out and we finished as a family. That that's our family dynamic. We we're a very our team dynamic is family oriented, and I think getting close with those women towards the end of the season was truly amazing. They're all awesome. That's really special when you have that kind of dynamic because not every team does, and it's kind uh, of like after in football. Mm-hmm. What did you say? No, I agree. I totally agree. Not every team oh, has that, and I was very fortunate that our team was able out. to do Sorry that. About that. That's okay. Yeah, um, I think I think it's special, and you guys should definitely hang on to that because it's rare. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you it think is. Your, your goals are for next year. Our goals, uh, more depth, definitely more depth in um, every position. Um, a lot of um, us on the team played both ways, and it got really hard because um, there were players that, I mean, we got injured, we got hurt, but we played through it because we knew we only had, you know, X amount of players out there. And um, having depth and having that cushion um, in any sport, to be honest, is nice because if you don't have cushion or depth, you might have a starting 11 that is awesome, but then you sub somebody in and you t- take people off the bench and then your whole lineup and your whole rhythm of the game goes downhill. And I think having a strong bench um, or strong depth is very important in football because you don't realize, I didn't realize how physically demanding it was. I'd always be like, oh, my gosh, you guys don't even run. Oh, my gosh, you get five seconds or 30 seconds after every play. But that's hard, running with helmet, running with pads. It's so different, and since it's so new, it was really hard to kind of transition into that. So I think depth. I think depth and hopefully more conditioning because I, if, if we end up the way we did last year, we need to be a little more conditioned. It's definitely a, a learning curve uh, for yeah. sure because you watch it on TV and mm-hmm. people don't realize what it really entails. Uh, but you mentioned before that, you enjoy watching it now that you've played, and, and for me that was a that was a big deal because I grew up as a giant football fan, and I thought I knew yeah. a lot about football, and then I played, mm-hmm. and then I watched it, and I was like, oh, I didn't know as much as I thought. Do you feel I like know. the same way? Absolutely. Um, 
these all these preseason teams right now. I'm yelling. I'm like, get your block. And, you know, again, I just yell all these terms now that I truly understand from playing because being the running back, if your block's not there or if the if your person doesn't help you or it it just the whole play implodes and I, I see it now and I'm like, Oh my gosh, why is he not blocking or why is he not holding off that, you know, linebacker for the court so the quarterback can throw? It's it's really cool to be able to re, like I said, analyze and really see the game more than the numbers on the scoreboard, touchdowns and field goals. That's awesome. Um, do you have a favorite NFL or college team? Uh, I'm a Bronco fan. Go Denver all day. Okay. I mean, your team just killed my <laughs> team this last week, but that's, I'll, I'll forgive you. <laughs> oh, Niners no, fan. you're a 49ers fan? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Oh, no. <laughs> I actually, I actually uh, really like uh, Trevor, uh, quarterback. So, I mean, yeah. I don't mind the Broncos, but it is yeah. season, so I have to just like, I just yeah, remember. let it go. <laughs> I just let it go. Um, yeah. But I am a fan of your your defense, though, it's not been. So. What, oh, absolutely, me you? too. They're awesome. Uh, how do you think they're going to do this year? Uh, I think they're going to do good. Our, I like, like you. Our defense is so strong. Actually, we have our fantasy football draft on Sunday. <laughs> so I'm super hoping nobody chooses Denver defense on, like, the fifth round because Denver defense put up I, some ridiculous amount of points last year, and I was super sad that I didn't get them because that's my team, and they're awesome defensively. You know, hey. I have them as my fantasy defense, and then I dropped them, and then I I regretted it. <laughs> oh, no. You know, the rule says that you're not supposed to go with your team, but that's not always the case. I know. I have to actually watch it because I have, like, a wide receiver and a running back on my team, and if I do all of that, then I'll have to have subs for that on their bye week, and it'll just get a mess. So I have to choose if I want my running back or my wide receiver or the defense. Yeah, it gets complicated. And loyalty to your team, that's usually hard, too. <laughs> yeah. If you want them to win, uh, but I don't need them to win because <laughs> I need to win. Yeah, right. But, yeah, I'm like, Von Miller, like, stop sacking. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> I know. Sorry, <laughs> Yeah, it gets complicated. It's my wife yeah. tells me all the time, "What are you doing? You sound like you're you're happy or not happy." <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm in the middle of this conflict. <laughs> like yeah. On one side, I got my fantasy team working it, but the opposing players, are, you know, the guys that I have are on the opposing team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's complicated. It's complicated. It's crazy. Um. So, Kat, it you know the WFA, you guys. You know, you guys have experienced it now. So, fans, yes. how was the how was the uh, the turnout for the team? Oh man, um, our fans are awesome. Like I said, we're a football town. Um, if you guys get a chance to later on today, look up the Las Cruces and the Mayfield Trojan rivalry, and you'll see the uh, Aggie Memorial Stadium just filled with over thirty thousand people. It is just truly amazing, and the fact that we had about 1,300 bands come to our first ever home game was absolutely incredible. There's pictures on our Facebook pages and stuff, and it is just, we have the coolest fans. They were cheering the whole time. They were starting chants. They were yelling, and it was like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, we're a women's football team. 
And all of these fans are cheering for us, not knowing if we're good or bad, not knowing, you know, how it's going to turn out, how, what, what, is it going to be physical? Is it going to be like the boys? And people were very impressed. I don't know if she, uh, maybe she got a dead zone. Are you still at home? Oh, no, I'm right here. After. Okay, no problem. Yeah, here. I know, I know I get that all the time in Cali. I, I keep talking to myself and then I get dropped off and then I speak like plenty of words and then boom. Am I here? Oh, you're here. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's just the room I'm in. I don't know. That's okay. Um, yeah. Chat, you just know, the fans are cool. cool. It's a cool environment because if you can get 1,300 fans on your first season, there's teams that yeah, can't absolutely. even get 1,300 fans. So that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. I can name a few football teams that don't get that many fans, but I'm not going to. But fans are awesome. They just they they kept us pushing through those last few quarters in some of those games, win or lose. They were just they were cheering, they were yelling. It it was awesome, and it was so cool to be. It was so surreal. It was really a surreal moment to be on the field, having them yell while I'm on the field. Now, are your is your your guys' goal at least thirty to try to get thirty at least on the roster? The, um, I would hope so. Is the goal, but thirty would be ideal because I know uh, in Holly situation the Majestics mm-hmm. have increased their numbers in terms of tryouts but it's been a you know mm-hmm. it's been a struggle as well. Yeah. Um oh that's I mean that's ideal in my mind. I don't know what the coaches have in mind for our team dynamics. Um and it's also really hard. It's hard getting women out there that are committed um on and off the field. I mean I don't just go to practice um and I know a lot of the other girls don't either. Um but I we'll go to the gym before practice. I'll get some sort of cardio, some sort of something in before I go to practice because um, I'm the type of player that I know someone's always going to be behind my back trying to chase me and trying to be better than me and try to be stronger than me. And I'm a fairly small. I'm 5'2", 130 pounds. Uh, I have to be on my A game all the time. So having that depth, not only that depth, but that commitment level is really difficult in our town because it is so small. Um, that's why we ended up with 15. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping the coaches, we can find some committed women out there. What is the other teams in your area uh, in in terms of the state? Um, the Santa Fe Dukes are are um, in the WFA as well. They are northern, I guess, our northern north south rivalry that everybody's been saying. And um, that's the only official team in New Mexico. I know Roswell is making a team. I think they're the Roswell Destroyers. And I know El Paso is making a team. They're called the Patronas or something like that. I think it's the Patronas. So we have a few teams. teams. So Um, I'm not sure if they've gotten – That works well for travel and expenses because now you have, you know, four teams locally to where – in season, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't cost so much to go out of state to match up with other teams. Yeah, definitely. Um, our first road trip was long and expensive. <laughs> we went to Utah, Salt Lake City. That was long. But uh, everybody, I mean, we pitched, we pitched in. Everybody pitched in. We fundraised. But um, having local teams, I mean, maybe to scrimmage, um, I don't think either of the teams have been officially um, let into the WFA yet. Um I know there's some stuff going on, I, but I know they had tryouts. So I guess, I mean, there's going to be a team, whether they're in the WSA or the LFL or. Yeah, or the IWFL. Um, um, yeah. Kat, your background, 
really has obviously given you a, a good state for uh, women's tackle football. So if you had to mm-hmm. kind of suggest this to uh, someone else, a young girl in high school or maybe somebody to come out of junior college, any of that stuff, mm-hmm. uh, what would be your advice? Just let your athletic instincts take over. If you've played any sport, you have that mentality of you can be coached. Um, positional awareness, knowing where other people are, being aware of where other people are, um, knowing where the ball's at, and knowing what your job is, knowing your role on the team. Um, every athlete, I believe, knows those things. So, honestly, let your instincts take over. Your job, know your job, know where you're supposed to go, and let everybody else take care of your job. And I think that was the most difficult part for me. Playing soccer, you can take the ball at your feet, take the game in your hands, and control it. Football doesn't go that way. You have to have all of your linemen. You have to have your quarterback in sync with you for handoff. You have to find the hole with your linemen blocking. It's it's a it's a trusting, and that that. Besides that, my athletic instincts were okay, but being able to have to let go a little bit of that of hey, I have to trust my sister on the field, so I can get through that hole. Once you get past that, fine. Because if you have trust issues, it's going to be a little tough. Oh yeah, uh, losses are not good. And then you got, then you, uh, as my coach would say, you go from losses to drama and to destruction. That's <laughs> how the exactly. formula works. <laughs> exactly. Not a good formula, but uh, it's bad a formula for baking goods too, because the formula yeah, doesn't oh, work. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. I'm a big, I'm a big pie guy, so you ruin a pie. Nice. Not good. Nice. <laughs> not good. Yeah. True. Um, it's been great uh, chatting with you today, and you know what? I, I wish you guys well in um, season two. Hopefully, the roster will increase, and your visibility in the community of you know true um, American football by women being played. You know, yeah. people get to a level where if you get to a good a good state of a couple wins season after season, then the fans realize the amount of work that the players have to put in. Number two, yeah. the amount of time and dedication. Mm-hmm that the organization mm-hmm. has put in uh, and, and hopefully the, you know, then fan base comes in, not just family members, but everybody around that uh, who yeah. actually truly loves the sport now realizes mm-hmm. that you guys are obviously talented. And ultimately that's the, that's the best praise. The fact that fans appreciate your talent on the field, but also your grit to win uh, that Absolutely. usually speaks more volumes. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. All right. So, Kat, thank you for making the time today. I know you're uh, busy today and all that. Uh, no problem. To all your teammates, we appreciate their efforts. Congratulate them on their uh, excellent season that they had. Uh, we're, we're expecting a lot more from La Muerte uh, in, in uh, Season 2 in the WFA in the Division 3. And it's been proven, uh, the Arkansas Wildcats proved it, you're able to field a, a, a man, a 12-man roster, and go coast to coast and then end up in Pittsburgh and win the title. So that yep. it can be done. Exactly. And we're going to do it. All we're right. Do so, it. Kat, thank you for making the time. Uh, can you let fans know where they can dive into your team on social media? And uh, if you have any, I know you're having tryouts probably coming up soon. Can you let them know where yes, the tryouts um, will be? We have a Facebook page. You just need to look up La Muerte de las Cruces. Um, it, it has our little um, sugar skull emblem on the left-hand side. Go like that page, and all of our updates and pictures and all will be there. 
And your tryouts, I think, and are at the end of the month, right? They're, uh, they're, they're September 23rd. That's the date I have is September 23rd from 3 p.m. to 6. Um, we were going to have tryouts at Oñate, but Oñate football, um, or there's another event going on there, so the field is to be determined. So go like our Facebook page, and we'll be sure to update you all on when tryouts and fields where it's going to be. Do you guys have a Twitter feed or a Snapchat or anything like that yet? Um, I don't think we have a Snapchat. We might have a Twitter feed. I'm not sure. I don't have a Twitter. I'm lame. <laughs> but our Facebook page is, like, the the main way we get everything out. Okay, perfect. Okay, so, um, Kat, I really thank you for making the time again. Congratulations mm-hmm. to your team and your success in year one. Looking forward to year two. And, um, you know, we're hoping for a Division three national championship. So that's the goal, and, and we're going to be rooting for you guys. Thank you. That is the goal. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Kat, thank you. You too. You guys have a good one. Bye. All right, Holly, there you go. Um, you know, small team feel, small community. Um, they put their best foot forward. Uh, they rocky start. But overall, you know, they ended up on a good good note. And then to have almost eight All-Stars, that's impressive. It is. It kind of makes me a little nostalgic for my uh, beginning of my career as well. Because uh, I remember being on a team like that, and it truly bonds you, uh, you know, quicker than anything else I've ever experienced. And so it's impressive for them, you know, to be able to get through what they have and still uh, get people to the, you know, All-American game. And yeah, it, it's impressive, and I'm uh, interested to see how they're able to build on that for next year. Yeah, it's going to be great to see that. Um, I'm going to poke fun here. Did you know that Katie Sowers was lesbian? Yes, I did. <laughs> okay. So like a big bombshell today, and I'm like, what What does that make a difference? But anyways, they made a point of it. Um, but I think she, you know, she's she's on the staff now. Uh, I don't think that makes mm-hmm. a difference anymore. She's breaking barriers. You know, she's right there going forward now with the 49ers. You can see – the 49ers, I think she's working with the receiving core, right? Yes. So you, you could see some of that already take effect uh, in week, week one and week two of preseason. So what's your take on the Sowers effect in San Francisco? Well, I think, you know, like we talked about before, anytime we have any of us on the sidelines, it's a big deal. And um, I think, you know, speaking from a Niners fan, we can use all the help we can get, especially in the receiving core, um, where we're trying to still find our number one guy. And the thing that Katie is very good at is um, she seems to be good at breaking down concepts into simple things that people can understand and grasp. So I, I can definitely see her being on the sideline and being an asset for them in that way. The the gay thing is kind of funny to me in a way because, you know, being around the sport for a while and and being around Katie a little bit, like, it's it's just, it's not, like, something I didn't know. So it's kind of interesting to see the perspective of the general public thinking it's a big deal. I think it is a big deal in the fact that, you know, it's it's another barrier that you can add to the list that she's breaking down, which is definitely good. Um and you know, hey, I mean, if you're if you're gonna break down barriers, you might as well break down a lot of them as you go. So, 
Uh, I mean, I already knew, but hey, I think she should roll with it, and I'm glad that she is. And I think that, you know, overall, you know, it's a big deal for the NFL, and hopefully one day it's just, you know, not a big deal, but until then we have to break through these barriers uh, to get there. So I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and the articles are going on NBC. Um, NBC, uh, there's a bunch of articles on NBC and everywhere else. It's mainstream now. So uh, the the good thing is she's getting the attention at the at the at the fact that uh, not her, at her sexual orientation, but the fact that she can lead and coach. And I think that some of the pieces have mentioned that to where she was, she's able to you know she's a player, a durable player, a reliable player, international player, plus a team USA player, and on top of that, an owner of a women's football team. So when you, when you look at the resume, uh, that's the thing that would stand out to me. Uh, Outsports.com is where I got, I think, the link on our page, so you can go read the article there from Outsports.com, uh, NBCout.com as well, took a feature on it, and then you can find it also on NFL.com. So uh, congratulations to her. It looks like your receiving core is going to be in good hands. Well, I hope so, and you know, because the last couple of years it's been it's been a struggle there, uh, you know. And I think it it does say something though that the articles that came out on her before uh, didn't seem to address this part. So maybe it is a good sign that uh, the fact that she's gay comes after the fact that she's a female coach and that she's actually good at what she does. So maybe that is an encouraging sign. Um, so, I mean, hey, uh, I look forward to seeing what she can do with uh, my team. Yeah, and, and knowing her, she's very uh, a very good competitor. Uh, knowing her, she's going to try to do her best, obviously, to elevate the level of those players around her. And that's really what we were talking about with the Women's Forum. It wasn't about uh, her physically and, and, and standing out. It was about contribution and the knowledge she has to contribute to the squad. And she's already said it. She set the bar high. She's she's already said, hey, my goal is to land a coaching job and to one day lead a football team, you know, uh, as an NFL coach. So that's a great goal to have. Uh, definitely. And one of the things that, you know, because I've been around both her and her sister, you know, for, for a minute playing, you know, uh, football, and they both have a really good presence about them. So they're, that, they're those people so when you walk in the room, um, and people walk in rooms with certain energy levels, and you can tell kind of who they are as a person by their presence, they both have that, and that's probably something that's really good for her to have in this type of role. And I think that another thing that she has going for her is she seems like she's a very um, hard worker and that she's not somebody that's just going to sit back and be like, oh, I'm getting all this attention so I can relax now. She's the person that's like, she's thinking five steps ahead. Okay, I have to do this, this, and this. And I have to um, move forward in what I'm doing and not let this take me away from getting to where I actually want to go. So that's a great thing for us as a sport, uh, for her to come from where she has. Because, again, anytime any of these people are finding success on the sideline, it's going to just come back and validate our sport even more. Yeah, it's a great story, and um, just getting to this level now and actually being on board with an NFL squad, uh, you know, with Sam's efforts and uh, everybody behind her, now, we, now we're now we getting started to see 
that some players are going to make it to the next level. So she's the first to make it to that level. Now we're going to start to see, you know, uh, Odessa in Atlanta. Uh, you got uh, Callie uh, Bronson and uh, Rachel Hahn uh, over in uh, with the Jets with, with Colette Smith. So there's a lot of other players. Um, you got Phoebe in, in Buffalo. A lot of players are still working their way into it. Uh, so I don't think um, this is going to be the last story that we hear about that. No, not at all. I mean, every, I mean, it's getting, it's growing exponentially and they're not the women that are now on the sideline. And I really still think that um, one of the big keys to that was that forum that we went to uh, in Orlando because, you know, a lot of this, we didn't know that we had access to it. We didn't know how any of this worked and, and, and being exposed to those uh, owners and executives and people in positions of power in the NFL and, and listening to the talk and, like, it was actual practical things that we can do and, and giving us that background, I think it just opened people's eyes as to, like, oh, my gosh, I can actually do this. And so – and then after that forum, they did a great job of following up with people. I received emails and, you know, there's a whole, like, job network and – and it, it's creating an, an entire networking system that I don't think is going to go away. It's actually going to increase. And, um, and one of the things I love about all those players that are on the sideline right now, they're all really great people. And, and I, I think that all of them uh, deserve to be where they're at, and I, see, I really think that all of them are even going to go further. Um, so it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I know. And, that's what we're, that's what we're bringing to the table. The, the, what they're bringing to the table is the key right now, and that's uh, that's awesome. And the WFA stands out on that right right now. Uh, so the brand really needs to make an effort, like we talked about, with the tier systems in place. They got to start making an effort about really putting together a six to eight man East Coast uh, pro league, because that's only going to validate all these other players that are trying to get onto NFL squads and what their potential was and what they came about and all the hard work that they put together. Now they're up front and center. They created, I mean, it's, um, it's just another platform that we can use to promote our sport. And, uh, I mean, every year the league has gotten better and better at um, packaging and marketing. And, and, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about today is you mentioned a couple of weeks ago how the WFA uh, – we did their website, and I do think it, it's a lot more functional now, too. But honestly, I went over to the LFL website, and I'm like, they didn't even update their score from uh, the conference championships, and it's kind of not really that set up very well. And, you know, for all the, the resources that they have, I would think it would be a little bit more uh, updated. Holly, 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 hashtag <laughs> outdated? Is that what you're saying? What'd you say? I said, Holly, you're saying hashtag outdated. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm trying to like see what's going on with the playoffs, you know, so I can. You know what, Holly? I don't think you're gonna get a call. I don't think you're gonna get a call from Marcaza <laughs> anymore. To, anymore. I'm just gonna tell you right now. I don't think okay. I was. I don't think I was anyway. But I'm. I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> it's not as bad. Like other websites that I've seen, but let me, like it should. Let me, let me poke fun right now. Let me just poke fun. Okay. Because I'm pretty sure you're probably listening okay. to me. Let me just poke fun. You All promote right. an NFL mobile app. 
to get access to players and scores and updates. The LFL mobile app has not been updated in almost, what, six months. It's like you, you, you don't even do live updating. Why do you put a mobile app out there if you're not going to constantly keep people engaged? So that's one thing. The other thing is it's I don't know if it's a one-man show or it's a bad intern. I don't know. So that's that's the other side of things in terms of updates. You would think that. I think they've gone to a point where they're basically social media-based and they've neglected a little bit on their website um, because they use their Facebook page way more than they do any other platform. And so, I mean, that, that's probably the case. Um, speaking of the LFL playoffs, since you brought it up, let's dive into that. And I, I was hoping Troy would be on, but he's not on. So let's just go through the motions here and just go with me. Um, the playoffs with Seattle uh, missed taking on the Los Angeles Temptation. Both teams came in undefeated. Kiki Matheny against the legend quarterback Salerno, Ashley Salerno. Um, the issue here with Los Angeles, they lost uh, Nigel Christmas early in this matchup, as you guys will see that on the YouTube channel coming up this weekend. But Seattle, a little bit more powerful. Uh, they got Jade Randall. They got weapons. Um, you know, they had uh, Mi- uh, Michelle Angel. You got C.D. Snore at running back. Just too powerful. 28-13, they take it. They win the West. Seattle returns to Legends Cup. Uh, they won it in 2015. They lost it last year to the, to the Bliss. Now we go to Chicago. Atlanta coming in here. Well, we talked about how Atlanta chokes in the fourth quarter. They didn't have durability. They always constantly just they play three good, solid, fast quarters, and all of a sudden they, they collapse. The story was different. It's so, so bad that the Bliss somehow could not even put up offensive weapons together. Codwell, Johnson, uh, for, uh, you know, Crystal Ferrari just it wasn't there this time, and they edge the bliss, and they take the, the monkey off their back. It's almost like seven seasons of losing to these guys, and all of a sudden in the Eastern Conference Championship, they, they, they edge it 14-6. to six. So the Legends Cup Championship is going to be at the Ontario, California, which is at Citizens Bank Arena. We are looking at Seattle Miss versus the Atlanta Steam. So Seattle, I, I just cannot see Atlanta winning this matchup with the weapons that the Miss has. And so, but you know what? They surprised me because I said last week Chicago should win this and should move on to Legends Cup, and it didn't happen. So hats off to the Steam for holding together long enough for them to edge them and move on to the, to the championship. Yeah, you know, like speaking of like updating uh, their website, I had to go to Facebook and dig out the scores to find out who won those games. And, uh, you know, I understand uh, that Atlanta's had that monkey on their back and it probably feels really good for them to get that off of their back, but I'm still going to go with Seattle. I just feel like, uh, you know, from what with I've the home seen, crowd? You're going well, with the home crowd? Well, from what I've seen... <laughs> It's not just that there's a home crowd. Like from what I've seen in red and and um uh, and her, uh, Ollie, you're going just you're, you're going with you're you're being a northwest loyalist loyalist right now northwest. Well, it's more the fact that not only are they it, it's not just that they're here. It's more that I feel like they're the most cohesive team in this league. They just seem like no, they're I agree. They're more of it. I mean, just team. between just between the quarterback, the running back, the receiving core. Okay, 
they, they, yeah, I mean, they're, yeah. I mean, there's no way you could do that. I mean, Atlanta has a history of, of just being terrible at times of making mistakes on their own and inflicting their own pain. You wouldn't think any different going into a championship game right now. Because unless the, the myths completely just collapse themselves, which is not going to happen, <laughs> uh, this team really, I mean, they're going to be competitive, but I see, I see a big, uh, I see blowout here, if anything. I see blowout. I, I think it's probably a blowout, too. I think, you know, from what I've seen so far of the, of the league, at least this year, it seems like a lot of the other teams are full of a couple individuals here and there, but it seems like Seattle's the only one that I can typically hear is like the most cohesive team, and they look like they're actually playing together, and they feel, and I feel like they um, are fairly confident in that, and so I feel like Seattle will probably blow them out. Okay, there you go. So uh, Holly Custis predicts Legends Cup win for Seattle Mist. So September 3rd, that's going to be in California. All right, so Holly, let's go down under. And before we go down under, I, I just want to congratulate the Arkansas Wildcats. The governor of Arkansas recognized their Division Three championship. They got a letter sent in from the governor's office congratulating them on their championship. How cool is that? That's That's really cool. I mean, Arkansas is a great story, and I'm still – like impressed by the fact that they came all the way from Arkansas to Southern Oregon and all the way back over to, you know, uh, uh, the championship game. And, and, and gosh, it was really hot in Pittsburgh. And uh, when we got to practice for the All-American game, it was right towards the end of their game, and it was humid. And I could tell with the lack of players on both sides that it was very difficult. And so for them – to be able to pull out that victory, considering all the adversity they faced that uh, this year, it, it says a lot about the makeup of their team. And so, if you know, if any team deserves that recognition, they definitely do. So I would say maybe the WFA needs to put together an Iron Woman Award because they deserve it. 12-man squad, coast-to-coast. Wow, very impressive. And then they got to face uh, Orlando, who is also a story in itself. And unfortunately, you, you, only, you can only have one winner. So... You know, it's just, just a better team on that day. Yeah, I, you know, the thing about it that is interesting is these teams have always existed, but it's only been since uh, the tier system that they've had an, an actual opportunity to get the attention they deserve. Because it used to be when I played on uh, on these types of teams before, you knew that you, like um, Kat was saying, that you you might have some talent on your team. But you get to a certain point in the game, and the other side has, like, you know, twice as many players as you do, it's very difficult to keep that level of play the entire game when you only have so many substituting players coming in and out. And so to have these teams be recognized like that is very good for the sport because it's only going to make that level of organization push harder to be more, even more competitive and build their program uh, so maybe eventually they'll grow into a higher tier, and it's just going to make the product better overall. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but it was just an exciting story um, for both sides, Orlando and Arkansas, and the fact that the tier system works 
if you maintain it, you, you, you have to stay focused on it. And I think the WFA needs to be applauded for a great season in the three tiers. We had three great championships and uh, the rivalry in Division Two, and then also Division One. So uh, it, was a, it was a great event. And I think that that's, they, need, they need to continue that. And I'm pretty sure Lisa probably is listening. So there's got to be an effort there to keep that going because that's only going to grow the sport, number one. But the goal now is to try to put a pro league together so that this becomes a feeder system, sort of like they do in soccer and other sports. That's actually an idea I've had in the past, too, is, you know, for example, um, in Seattle we have so many teams in the, in the same area. and There's other areas of the country that they have several teams. And what happens is the talent gets watered down a bit um, because they're all spread out so far. And if you're able to create, um, you know, or somehow structure it in, in a way that the big markets are – the first tier or the professional league or whatever you want to call it, and then these other teams exist, you can, you can make it so that they become feeder teams, kind of like a minor league system, where people can still play, develop, and get better, but have an opportunity at some point to maybe advance and try out for the, uh, the professional or Division One team. Um, so maybe one day we'll, we'll get to that point too, but I think right now it's, it's great, and I'm excited to see what happens with it uh, later. Yeah, it's a great feeling right now. Um, if we can get a u- unity between the WFA and the IWFL at some point, uh, it's going to make it stronger because you have certain Division One teams in both both leagues that could probably um, still play together where the travel cost isn't so so bad. So that's one of the issues that got, comes around as well. That's why some of the IW, IWFL teams came over to the WFA this season because of that reason alone. So it was a benefit, Montreal, New York. Um, so it, it was a great great for the WFA. Yeah, I mean, um, I think with IWFL, um, it's a bit more on the challenging side because I still feel, um, until I'm proven otherwise, that they're a bit more on the episodic side as far as what they're trying to do with the advancement of their league. Um, And I've always felt like that, and I played uh, three years in that league, and and it feels like they do a great job of existing and um, operating the league, you know, during the season, but they aren't looking to the future like the WFA is in, as far as, okay, how are we going to make this sport better? How are we going to make our league better? They they seem to not be in the same ballpark when it comes to that. So if that's the case, then I think it's more likely that those big league teams remaining in that, IWFL league will eventually find their way over to WFA. I think you'll have to break down the uh, rules within leagues in order for you to, uh, you know, bring some more teams to the WFA in that aspect in terms of making the tier one, the tier one system a little better competitive and travel costs less. So that's going to be a work in progress. Um, 9-23, September 23rd, the uh, AFVD in Germany, the Ladies Bowl 26, will take place. Competition is ongoing right now with Division One, Division Two groups, uh, the uh, Hamburg Amazons. Uh, you got the Baltic uh, uh, Amazons. You got the Munich Cowboys. Um, so there's still a lot of work in terms of a couple, I think, three weeks left in the season before you get to that level. So uh, keep up with it on our Twitter feed and our Facebook page. 
and we'll give, keep you updated as the playoffs come about in terms of the German Division One and Division Two uh, leagues. Um, Great Iron Queensland this past weekend. Christian Moran once again helps out the the Ravens um, with their win. So the Ravens are on top, uh, two two uh, undefeated, two and zero. The Jets are one and zero. The Thunder one and one, and the Thunder rebounded this past week with a fifty to six. Uh, win against the Sunshine Coast Spartans, and then the uh, Ravens 32-0 to versus the Brisbane Rhinos, which are basically an expansion team. Week one was pretty much an exciting week. The Jets, obviously, right off the bat, 36-0 against the Spartans. Uh, Ravens take care, took care of the Thunder, 44-28, and then the Stingrays, 22-8 against uh, the Rhinos. So week three coming up here, it is a clash of undefeated. It is... Uh, the Bayside Ravens taking on the Gold Coast Stingrays, 2-0 Bayside versus 1-0 uh, the Champs, the Stingrays. So it's going to be a good clash. Who will stay undefeated after this week? Uh, the Stingrays are looking for a 2-0 start, and the uh, Ravens obviously are looking for a 3-0 start. Uh, Brisbane is 0-2 versus the Jets, who are 1-0. And given the Jets' uh, talented team, I'm assuming they will go 2-0 as well. Uh, Brisbane is going to probably fall to 0 and 3. We don't know that until obviously the games are played. So that's the week coming up in Greenland, uh, Gridiron Queensland this week. You can get the updates on Twitter and Facebook at Gridiron Beauties on Twitter and Gridiron Beauties on Facebook. Um, Gridiron New South Wales uh, will kick off September 2nd this weekend. It's going to be the uh, Northwestern Phoenix taking on the UNSW Raiders. Um, Stacy Spears out there with uh, Renee Hahn. Uh, and then you've got the North. Sydney Rebels uh, versus the UTS Gators. Uh, the Act Diamonds, who are supposed to play in the Act Gridiron League, apparently they're going to uh, try to put some games also into the North New South Wales League. They get the bye week week one. Uh, week two will be interesting. Uh, Raiders take on Diamonds, Gators on Rebels. So back-to-back matches for the North Sydney Rebels and the UTS Gators. And that's always interesting, Ollie, when you go from road trip for one team home to the other, and then you go back to home and road trip two weeks in a row. So kind of get familiarized with players and obviously schemes. So the second game usually becomes a little tougher. Yeah, I think it's kind of a a natural thing, like you said. I mean, you see it all the time in um, basketball and in baseball when you get to the playoffs uh, where you're playing a seven-game series. It gets tougher because you're able to game plan for that one specific team, and you get to know them and what their tendencies are, and it, uh, that's why the games usually get more and more competitive. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um, how that works itself out. So we're going to get to see uh, Rebels and Gators two weeks in a row, week one this week, and then week two, September 9th. So we'll see how that the standings pan out. Uh, the Raiders, uh, pretty pretty top-notch squad as well as Phoenix. They were in the finals last year. So we're looking forward to that matchup as well. And in Finland, the uh, Maple League Championship, September 2nd. Uh, we're trying to get the link to the broadcast right now. Uh, as soon as that is available, uh, some of the players are going to go ahead and supply that to us. But you can go to S-A-J-L, uh, sajl.fi for the latest information there. Uh, October uh, 19th. It was the Roosters, the champions, uh, 22 to zero over the Northern Lights, the Olu Northern Lights, and on the 20th it was the Helsinki Wolverines surviving a seven to six battle 
against the Puri Valkyries. So that was a great matchup. Um, it's also on, uh, I believe, on Huddle, on the Huddle link as well. So we'll try to um, link that up as well. But September 2nd, the champions, it's a battle of Helsinki. The two teams are from Helsinki. Who will win? The Roosters, 9-0, and undefeated in the season, taking on the Helsinki Wolverines, 6-3. and So, Holly, right here, uh, Wolverines, they got to feel good. They, they, they barely get into the final against a defensive tough battle against the, uh, the Valkyries. So up against the Roosters, um, what is the mindset of this Wolverine team? Because they don't put up many points. Well, I mean, anytime you're going up uh, against a team that is undefeated and has um, uh, the momentum on their side, it's going to be a tough order for them. Uh, but basically what you have to do is you have to go into that game putting that out of your mind. You can't uh, you can't let what the past has happened affect how you're going to perform that day. So the trick for them is to not focus necessarily on that part, but focus on what they can do during that day. Um, because as they say in the NFL, it's any given Sunday. I've seen teams that have been amazing and undefeated, and then they lose a game that they shouldn't quote-unquote lose to a team that doesn't know any better because they don't realize that they're not supposed to beat this big bad wolf. And so really anything can happen. And so what you have to do is focus on each play one at a time. So that's going to be the key for them. Yeah, and I think uh, Helsinki has proven to – this will be back-to-back championships for the Roosters. Uh, Very good squad. They're very very well-trained. And to prove, you know, two seasons in a row to be undefeated in the Maple League, pretty top-notch league as well. So uh, Valkyries played tough. Uh, they, they could be here, you know, in the final, but they just get edged, uh, you know, one mistake here and there, and that usually causes you the fallout. And I think it was a missed field goal from my notes that I got. So that right there even hurts even more because <laughs> you, you put up a touchdown and then you can't, you know, put it up through the uprights. So uh, it was a really tough battle, defensive battle. So uh, Maple League, uh, Finnish League, Final September 2nd, Helsinki Roosters taking on the Helsinki Wolverines. Uh, you can catch all the information and updates on our Facebook page at Gridiron Beauties on Facebook as well as on our Twitter feed at Gridiron Beauties. Check out our Zazzle shop, uh, zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties for all the tanks, tees, hoodies, and all the other gifts that you can get 15% off right now going on. Uh, support the project and then uh, download our podcast on Apple iTunes as well as you can follow us here right here on Block Talk Radio. Um, let's see what else I got here. Oh, I was going to say, um, Polly, Antoine Bolden retires. I know, and I was just, I just had talked about how awesome he was the week before, and maybe he heard me and is like, okay, maybe it's time for me to step down. Or maybe he's like, I don't want to be a Buffalo Bill, and I think I should just step down. He probably heard you. That's what happened. And he made the choice. Well, you know, it's one of those things that, I've always thought that he is extremely underrated. Um, and when I saw him play for the Niners, I saw firsthand how hard that guy works. And he's kind of like that Jerry Rice guy that he could be 100 years old and still be playing out there because he, he just he works so hard 
and was always productive no matter what was going on. Uh, and so he was a great target in the red zone. He has such a, a large frame to throw to. Um, I'm going to miss watching him play. Yeah, he's a good, a durable player, and I think he, longevity-wise, he did a good job. And so, um, you know, he obviously has uh, put him up and said, you know, I can't long, no longer do this. And he's probably going to be going into something else, you know, into community-based type of atmosphere or starting a business like every other player does. So hats off to him, um, and he had a good season. So uh, now I just feel like it's probably the time to go. And uh, Odell Beckham suffers an ankle sprain. Should Giants fans be, you know, concerned? No. Um, I saw the play, and it could have been a lot worse. Uh, when when he got hit, he got hit while he was planted on the outside of his knee, which in my experience, because I've had this happen before, is usually the area that you encounter an MCL sprain to your knee. And so if it's just an ankle sprain, I mean, it's not ideal, but an ankle sprain, it's not it's not going to kill you. Um, if it was more serious than that, um, they should be concerned because he's going to be so much of their offense as far as spreading the field. But, I, again, it's an ankle sprain. Um, that being said, there are different kinds of ankle sprains. There's a lower one, which is, you know, you might be out for a couple of weeks, and a higher one, we maybe out, you know, a few weeks. But at the end of the day, an ankle sprain is something that you can play through. You just kind of tape it up and, uh, unless you've completely broke it or you have a fracture. It's something you can come back from pretty easily. All right, the Bronze players take a knee. Shannon Sharp calls out Hugh Jackson for obviously not allowing his players the week before to take a knee, from what the story goes. So this week the Bronze players decided to take a knee. Um, I, what what do you take out of that? Well, I mean, it's the same thing that we've been talking about before. Um, I, I think uh, – I don't think that it really should be that controversial, honestly, because it, it really kind of is hard for me to understand why people are so offended by it. Uh, and I've had you know debates by it, uh, with people and stuff, but I don't understand why people can't see that this is their fellow American, a human being, and they're in pain. And they're they're kneeling to bring attention to why they're in pain, and everybody that, that's upset about it is making it about them. They're like, oh, you you're doing it during my national anthem and my flag and like all this stuff, and they're not understanding that this is their their fellow American. That maybe there's a reason why these people are in pain, and maybe we should actually take the time to listen and find out what's happening, so that we can make sure that they're not in pain. But that's kind of how I Holly, view it. <laughs> do you think the coach, the coach basically, Hugh came out and said, let's focus on football and let this be taken care of by local authorities, councilmen, you know, community-based people to address these issues. So Shannon took offense to it because I think he was like, you know, you can't just brush it. But I don't think he was brushing it. I think he was just letting everybody know, hey, do it outside of football and do your thing that way. So, I, I mean, there's just like a – it's such a sensitive subject now where I, I spoke to somebody on Facebook last, this past week, and my point to them was if your community 
and you and African Americans are getting harassed in your community, why aren't we protesting the mayor, the local councilman, your city council member, your assembly member in your district? Why aren't we going outrage on them for either it be police brutality, whether it be targeting, whatever the case, because that's where you want to start. And so I think a lot of people have that point of view where they're going, why bring it onto the field this way when it's not doing anything positive to make an effect? Why don't you bring it up to your individual communities and address those with the people that can do make the changes and can address those and change the laws and do what needs to happen or, you know, punish those that obviously don't have, don't think it's, you know, right to do that. But you can do that as well. So I think the coach, Shannon, I think was more angry that Hugh thought of it as not a focus for football, I think, from what I read on the article. Well, I, I, I get maybe that to a point, but the, the fact is is that people are doing this out in the community. It's just not getting it the attention that this is because it's a large platform. So when people are going out to, you know, try to uh, reach out to their local congressman or they're trying to, you know, work in the community, this is, this is not a national TV. So these things are happening. We just don't maybe notice them. And then on top of that, there's this long historic thing that, um, you know, African-Americans have felt that, like, they're been looked at as athletes and performers. And so this platform is a large platform to get that message across. And I, I've always kind of thought that it's silly to think that sports and, like, politics and sports and life should be separate because it's not realistic because the people who are playing sports are human beings, and they're going to be exposed to these things in their, in their daily lives. So it's kind of ignorant to think that that's not going to come over onto the field or onto the court. And I don't think that's realistic to expect these people um, that are making this stance not to speak up about what they believe in. And so on the one hand, I get the let's keep about football thing, but on the other hand, the people that are saying that don't understand the significance of where we're at right now as a country and that it's not just randomly happening on a Tuesday, that there's reasons why this is happening right now. And, and, and people are not understanding that we're in an actual historic time period in our country and that we should actually recognize that. So what do you say to somebody who says you're tearing down my country? What do you say to somebody that comes out and says, you're turning down this country. This is an issue that should be politically taken care of in your local community, not on a national stage where they're playing football. You know what I mean? Because you have that debate, too. you got people coming out in that uproar. Um, but the, the thing that Shannon did was call out another African-American individual. So, you know, where do you draw the line there? He's calling the coach out by saying, you can't put this under the rug. And if you – and if, by saying that – he basically said something about a barbershop or something about how he's going to be looked upon as, uh, you know, less of a black person in the barbershop technically. Well, Shannon Sharp has always been a very interesting guy. Like I've seen him, he's very vocal no matter what he feels. He's always been an opinionated person. But I have seen him actually go both ways on this subject before. So I'm not quite sure exactly where he is on the subject because I've seen him actually go the other direction previously. Um, 
so, but I think Shannon Billy is going to be Shannon Billy. he Billie. said he made a comment about how um, Hughes Hughes comment or Hughes uh, comments were basically to appease the ownership. That's really what Shannon Sharp was getting at. He's like, well, okay, they're clapping on that side because he just made that you know that PR statement. And so I think he was more up. I don't know if he was upset at the fact that Hugh went with the organization, which said, hey, just focus on the football and address that first. And I think that strung a chord with him because he was kind of going, you're not going to let your players, you know, express themselves. And so now we know in week two that that wasn't the case because the players obviously did take a knee. Yeah, I, I I see what he's upset about, but I think it's not, I think, I mean, I agree with Shannon that I, I, I think that that's what he was doing. Of course, that's what he's doing because he's, he has his job and he's trying to, he is trying to piece that ownership. Like, that's pretty much what it is. Um, and I think, I, I, I just think it's going to continue to happen. And I wonder when people are going to, think about why it's happening rather than it's happening. I think that's the problem is that everybody's like, oh, my gosh, this is so horrible, and, like, you can't do this in my country, and, like, blah, blah, blah. But nobody's asking why it's happening. And until we ask the question of why it's happening, it's going to continue to happen because it's a symptom of an ailing country. And until we actually deal with the illness, this is going to continue to happening. So, So if you feel like... This is a sense of that these people are kneeling. We need to, as a group of people, not just African Americans, an entire American society, address it. And as far as your thing about people working in the community, that, that does happen, and it's not working the way that it needs to work. So obviously we need to get creative and try different solutions and different ways to draw attention to it, which is why they're doing it. Now, do you think if Callen, uh, Callen uh, Kaepernick just went to one of the let's say the hotbeds of where this is happening and demands, you know, the mayor, the governor, all the politicians to, you know, for him to make a stance out there, you know, take a rally or do a protest with that to try to demand uh, from those places. Do you think that would be more effective because it takes it off the football field? You know what I mean? The conversation now goes into now we're addressing uh, the issues in certain hotbed areas that obviously those are problems with. Yes. Yes, I do. But, it, I do, and it, it, it's it's part of it. There's no one solution because this is not a this is not a uh, one question problem, right? So I feel like you really have to address it at all fronts. You have to address it with your community. You have to address it on the football field. You have to address it in the classroom. You have to address it everywhere because this is an entire society level problem. This is not a oh, my gosh, I can't believe they raised taxes on the trees again, and let me go talk to my senator about that. This is not that kind of problem. This is an ideolog- ideological problem, and that is a very complicated thing that you can't just address on one front. Do you think it happens more in the southern or the east coast side of the country than it does on the west coast? The protests? No, just the brutality, the assaults no. with the African Americans, with the you know police brutality, the protests and stuff. Because I live in California, you live up north. I don't see that type of action here in the state. In other words, because it's pretty diverse. You know what I mean? 
So we're pretty diverse here in the state. Everybody seems to get along with everybody in, in aspects. But w when I spend my time in the, in the Army in South Carolina, in Georgia, in Kentucky, you saw a lot of tension there in that aspect of it. So I don't know if it's just a southern or east coast type of environment that that happens a lot more. You know what I mean? So I don't know if that's, you know, something of a point that we need to cross. Is it more of a hotbed on that side of the country than it is on the west coast? Uh, I think yes and no. I, I think it definitely still happens over here because, you know, I've I've heard and, and seen things that have happened that I know situations don't happen on, on, on the West Coast. I think you're right in that uh, it's a little bit different over here uh, compared to the rest of the country. Um, I do feel like there are times when I take that for granted, um, you know, especially being a gay woman and I have to remind myself that, gosh, I can't, like, I couldn't do this stuff and feel as safe as I do here and other parts of the country. And so I feel like there's definitely more tension on a visible level in other areas of the country, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist elsewhere, too. Yeah, and I, I'm not a, a one that says that these things aren't happening because I can tell you firsthand that these are certain certain communities, certain areas, uh, there is no, it's no different than, you know, gangs taking over territories. It's no different than people getting harassed or abused and stuff like that. So it's a reality. Um, so I think, at, you know, Shannon's point was, I think more so the coach didn't go the way of the people, in other words, where he went more to the organization. I think that's where he was a little bit more upset. Yeah, I, I mean, and I, I, I totally get that, and I agree with him because he feels like, this is the time and the platform um, that these players have. And um, he feels like this guy is just kind of showing the company line. So I, I agree with him because that's exactly what he's doing. All right. So we're probably going to see more of it come forward and probably in the regular season, Marshawn Lynch sit, sitting down. Um, you have Mr., uh, Michael Bennett sitting down. Now you have some Brown players sitting down. So um, we talked to Tori about that. Do you think at some point, based on fan bases, um, at this point, sponsors are going to pull out, maybe the NFL is going to falter at this, and they're going to see this? Um, where do you see it going? Uh, are you referring to sponsors pulling out support from the NFL because they're upset about the kneeling? Yeah, that's what I mean, fan bases in okay. general, because you're, you're talking about certain fan bases – are not going to agree with the stance, you know, the knee stance. And other fan bases are okay with it. Um, let's take the article we talked about um, when we talked about this uh, this morning. The uh, NAACP says, hey, we're going to uh, protest a rally at, I think, uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium at the Atlanta Falcons, uh, I think, home opener. So they basically have already demanded that, I guess, the Atlanta Falcons do something about it, either hire – uh, put Kaepernick on their roster or some other NFL team to put on their roster. So what do you think of, a, you know, a, a political group now having to mandate an NFL team? Well, I think it's going to continue to happen because you're going to have these people trying to boycott actually on both sides. You're going to have people that are upset because these people are kneeling. Then you're going to have other people that are like, well, why is nobody signing Kaepernick? So I think 
I think it's going to happen um, on both sides. Um, however, I don't think it's going to affect the league as much as people think it's going to. Because, for example, when I was um, on the Seahawks uh, Facebook page the other day, to trying to find out what the preseason score was, and I clicked on the score, and it was full of people being very upset with Bennett. And but then there's other people that were like, "Oh, like I totally support you," but like literally the entire chain was about Bennett. There was not a whole lot of talk of the actual game. Uh, so it's definitely divisive enough. But I don't think at the end of the day that is going to affect – it might affect it a little bit, but people are still going to go to the football game. People still love football. And if they are in the stance of, like, let's keep it about football, I, I feel like I feel like at the end of the day people are going to be like, oh, my team's doing well. I'm going to go to the game, you know. Um, so I feel like it's not going to be as big as people think. Do you think if the NFL mandates no more protests, no more league, put it off the, off the field, the reverse effect of it? Yeah, because what's going to happen is those players that are doing it, somebody's going to sue something. Like, I there's going to be some sort of court action on that because you now you're in a very choppy area of what you can and can't allow your players to do. Um, and so it, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. It's definitely not over, and it's it's definitely going to – uh, get exponentially interesting, and I feel like we'll probably be talking about it maybe most of the season. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Well, it's it's going to be the like you said it. It's going to be the hot topic for the season, if anything, because depending on the uh, week one regular season, who does and who does what, what team does what, uh, it's going to get to a point where, like I said. Where is it? Where is it going to be resolved? Where is the solution? Um, Holly, if Kaepernick gets signed by another team, does this all go away? The knee thing or the stance? No, it doesn't. Because Kaepernick might have been the first one that did it, but the entire point of Kaepernick taking a kneel and the entire point of these other people taking a kneel is not Kaepernick not playing. The point is to draw attention to uh, the state of our country. And if Kaepernick gets a job, it might actually end up helping the Kaepernick story because we might be actually able to talk about him playing football. But other than that, I think these people are are still going to do the same thing. And if he does get signed, you know, and it's going, the initial couple of weeks are going to be like, he said he's going to not kneel, but is he going to kneel? But if he doesn't kneel, somebody else is still going to kneel. So do you think somebody else will pick up the torch? Yes, because people, people already are. I mean, you know, Bennett's doing it, Lynch is doing it, the Browns are doing it. I feel like people are going to be doing it the entire season. So that's where we're at in terms of, you know, hot topics in terms of the NFL. Um, that's what happened this past week. Uh, we're looking forward to week week three in the NFL preseason. Um, I hope by Rams – just punch in another one, which preseason doesn't mean anything as we talked about. I'm hoping by week five, <laughs> what they've showed in week one and two will be good for me because I really do want it. And then, you know, we don't have any real loyalty besides the radio, Holly. So when it's Niners, Rams, 
we're on opposite sides. Just, I just want to throw that out there right now. Well, that, that's okay. I understand that. Yeah, unfortunately, you've beaten <laughs> us down many of times, so I don't know if I was that happy about it. Oh, boy. Oh, but it's going to be great. Um, it's going to, you know, and then uh, Troy's got his Redskins. We'll see how, you know, Washington pans out at this point between now and the week four of the preseason and opening week one. So we'll get his take as well. Um, you know, he might have a take on what we just discussed this week. It's, we'll give him an opportunity when he comes back next week as well to, to kind of discuss it. Um, so other than that, uh, week two, we talked about uh, Gridiron Queensland in, in the mix. So there's going to be two games there. The uh, Bayside Ravens taking on the Gold Coast Stingrays. Very good class there. Two, two teams, two undefeated teams in that uh, league. Then we have the kickoff of the Gridiron New South Wales. You get the information at gridironnewsnsw.org.au. Starts on September 2nd, and that will be the Northwest Phoenix versus the UN, UNSW Raiders. You get the North Sydney Rebels versus the UTS Gators going off in the week, uh, week one of that league. You've got the uh, Finland Maple League Championship this weekend. Helsinki Roosters taking on Helsinki Wolverines. Uh, Roosters looking for their second championship. September 3rd, got Legends Football League. Legends Cup. It's got Seattle Miss taking on the Atlanta Steam. Um, you also have the WFL in Mexico. Uh, Red Devils, September 2nd, uh, who ousted the uh, V Queens of Saltillo. They're going to take on the Troyanas of Chihuahua, uh, which had a, had a great season so far. So that's another championship that's happening. So a lot of women's tackle football in various leagues, NFL style plus uh, a legend style happening internationally as well. So we'll cover it all on Twitter at Great Iron Beauty as well as on Facebook at Great Iron Beauties. Um, anything um, Majestics-wise that you want to kind of call out? Um, we did uh, get a notification and some great news that um, our uniforms with you will be sponsored by Under Armour, which is pretty cool. Yes, uh, awesome. And so we're excited about that. We have another tryout coming in September, I believe, mid-September. I'm not sure if the date has been released yet, um, but you can check uh, for updates on the theseattlemajestics.com. Uh, for updates there, and they'll post uh, when and where that will be. Uh, that's basically it for us at the moment. Uh, we have, we're playing in a, a, some of us are playing in a flag tournament this weekend for some extra fun. But other than that, it's kind of the, no man's land, uh, off-season time for us at the moment. All right, so we had uh, your blog. We had the first part, second part. Uh, part three will be coming up when? Uh, the end of next week. I had a lot going on at work this week, so um, I'm already doing some research on it, and I hope to have it by the end of next week. All right, and you can catch the Part one, part two, um, give everybody the website. They can go to the blog to get that uh, and read up on it. So my blog is relentless21.wordpress.com. The third part of the series will cover the years 2000 to 2017, so basically the present. Um, And it's a series about uh, female athletes and and our place within uh, uh, feminists and, and the progressive movement as far as uh, gender equality, um, and you can also uh, reference on Twitter at Relentless2121. It also gets posted there um, as well. 
Awesome. So take a look at it. It's a great piece. She's putting a lot of time and effort into it, and uh, make sure you share it as well. So it helps her out as well with the blog uh, and the trends and stuff like that. You can find it on our Facebook page as well. And Holly, they can go to uh, Holly Custis on Facebook as well, right? Correct. You can go to uh, you can look me up on Facebook at Holly Custis, or I also have uh, a specific page under Relentless Twenty One as well. Awesome. So um, this is going to be a great week, preseason uh, week three. Uh, looking forward to it. What do you expect from your Niners? A win, or does it matter at this point? Um, it doesn't necessarily matter if we win. We're just looking to improve. And so the first week we had a lot of penalties. We still had a lot of penalties this game, but not as many. And then we ended up with by a turnovers. And um, some of them were turnovers that were kind of – the turnovers were not necessarily forced, but they're just kind of freakish or really good plays by the other team. But we did have um, some turnovers that weren't forced either. So what I really want to see happen is it seems like the offensive line still needs to kind of learn the new scheme. It doesn't feel like they're quite cohesive yet. I think once they get cohesive, then our offense will start running on all cylinders. Um, So basically I want to see the offensive line improve and I want to see the the defensive front seven uh, to continue to get better. I feel like this last game um, they didn't play as well as the first game, but I think that was because they were rotating a lot more people in. Um, and so, but again, better offensive line and better play up front on the defense. That's what I'm looking for for this game. All right. I'm looking forward to more Cooper, Cooper, Cooper from golf and Cooper. That's what I'm looking forward to. Like, and maybe some Watkins. But uh, Aaron, Don- Aaron Donald being out just really hurts us. But hopefully we'll be back by week one. Hopefully that's the case. Because with that defense, we added at him on there uh, with Phillips as a skiing master that he is, I think will really, really help us. So we're looking forward to that. Um, the FXF Mexico and Lexfa uh, are going to have pretty much tryouts going on in Mexico, FX Mexico and Lexfa. And then in the WFA and IWFL tryouts are ongoing right now. WFAProFootball.com, WFAProFootball.com. You can find your nearest team. Just look at the team list. Find out who the nearest team is. You can go get the information there for tryouts for 2017 and 2018. Um, IWFLSports.com. You can try out, uh, do tryouts there as well. So both both those websites, you can get the information and info for that. Uh, as tryouts come around and as the seasons mature, usually uh, February to uh, March, uh, you're going to start to see a lot more um, players, a lot of the league's going to put out the schedule, and we get a little bit more excited for the summer. But other than that, WFAProFootball.com, IW, uh, IWFLSports.com. So, uh, Holly, that's it. Pretty loaded show. We, we want to thank Kat Acosta of the La Muerte de las Cruces of the Women's uh, WFA uh, Division Three, and they had an outstanding season. Uh, over eight, I think over eight players, they were all-stars. So congratulations to their program, their efforts, the community there for supporting them. Uh, look forward to season two of that squad. So it's a really happy story for her. And that seems to, uh, very talented based on numbers and stats. And like she said, it, was, it all came together for them. And uh, we can't be more proud of them. Yes, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see how they develop as a program and if they're at, uh, able to add that depth that she was talking about and see uh, how far that takes them. But um, definitely a great year for them. So uh, I definitely congratulate them. 
All right. So for uh, the absent um, Troy Wilson, who will be back hopefully next week, uh, Holly Custis, WFA All-Star and Seattle Majestics standout, and Oscar Lopez here. We'll catch you here next week on the Gridiron Blitz right here on Apple, Apple Podcasts and on Black Pack Radio. Have a great evening, everybody. All right. Good night.